And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is Matt Watson, your host today. Um, excited to be joined with Ken Cox today from St. Louis. Uh, he's also the host of a podcast called Clicks and Bricks you should check out. Um, we're going to be talking about, I think he said he's started 100 companies before, so we're, we're going to learn more about that. And he's got a new one coming up. We're talking about incubators and all the trials and tribulations of startups today. Um, before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is powered by Fullscale. If you need to hire a software team, uh, we can help you build any kind of software you need. We've got 300 employees in the Philippines. That's what we do. Uh, check out Fullscale.io. Uh, Ken, welcome to the show, man. As are you? Is this 101? I, I don't have an actual count of. And it depends on what you want to call a company, right? Starting a website, getting a domain name, you know, getting it over the line. Um, if that's considered a startup, then man, it's yeah, way more than 100. I uh, mean, if it includes buying domain names, I might be in the thousands now. Yeah, I'm in the thousands of that. <laughs> but actually, you know, getting LLCs and getting client base, um, I, I'm. I mean, I've been involved in hundreds, if if not thousands, but myself or my family, yeah, it's it's, it's easy fifty. Well, you so you've started a few things, you've invested in a lot of things, you you've been around this ecosystem for a long time. Correct. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been uh, you know not wanting to work for other people or creating my own path since I was a kid. You're like me. We're just guys looking for something to do. Yes, <laughs> and a way to pay for it. <laughs> yes, if somebody else will pay for it, or if we can make, if we, you know, our hobby is making money. So it's, it's, you know, this is a hobby. <laughs> yeah, but there's, you know, it's just not making money. It's creating cool products that make yeah. it easier, right? Or absolutely, better, whatever that is, right? So, and sometimes you shoot and miss, and sometimes you shoot and you hit home run. Um, well, so you, you're, before we start recording, you're talking about you have a new company, a new thing you're working on. So tell us a little, a little more about the new thing you're working on. Okay, so PPGS.global, it stands for Privacy Policy Grading System. As I was selling data system, data services, and you know, for my main job at President of Hosterian, my competitors are Amazon, Google, those yeah. guys, right? So those are all publicly traded companies, and I was talking about the, the risk of doing business with publicly traded companies. Um, they have a legal obligation to do the most profitable thing, and if they... You have the, if they have the rights to sell your data, you better believe they have to, they have to, they have to. So if you're doing business with a privately held company, they can have different rules. You can put different things in the contract. You can have, have more room. And as I continue to talk about privacy and AI was on the ramp up, right? Cause we had a really huge ramp up of AI tech to the main, to the public about a year and a half ago, as these two things seem to be in line with each other, I felt like I was kind of a crazy person talking about, oh, people are stealing your data, right? eBay's doing, you know, eBay's doing bad stuff with your data. Um, and there was a legal case about not eBay as a company, but employees within eBay are using the data in a bad way. Um, 
so I've, I just felt like I was talking about this arbitrary thing, privacy, and I didn't have a way to grade it. Right. So developed a rubric for, um, grading a privacy policy. Um, so we wrote an entire system that goes out, downloads privacy policy, analyzes them, understands them, writes a quick review, and then grades them A through F so that even a second grader would understand so, the risk going into sharing my data with the company. So for example, if I want to use Reddit or HubSpot or whatever it is, I can take their privacy policy, feed it into your system, and you're going to tell me all the crazy shit they're going to do with my data. We're going to give you a, a letter grade and a brief par- you know, a paragraph about the risks of sharing your data with that company at a ninth okay. grade level so okay. that you can get the whole gamut. So, but then there was the whole process of, okay, we've done this and it's a great lead gen source for the data center business and doing business with privately held companies, but there's no money in it. So yeah, I was thinking, how do you monetize this? That's what I'm thinking. But whenever you start realizing you have 300,000 privacy policies in your database and you've already analyzed them and graded them and companies have to do risk assessments um, on their vendors and vendor review, that becomes a really nice simple product that you can offer to the public, right? Or to the, to the business. And if you have a SOC requirement, then it, then you have to do this. So we've automated the vendor review process, right? Using this data, we've automated that. If you have a SOC requirement, you have to go and read every privacy policy, understand it and do a risk assessment on it. Well, we've already done all that work for you. So do you guys have every privacy policy from every company in the world now? <laughs> right now we're, we're cranking them through. We're at about 300,000 and we go back. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to get to a million before the end of the year. Um, so that we've just read and That's a weird that. goal, man. Not, I don't know anybody who has that goal. My goal for 2023 is a million. I want to read a million privacy policies. What the hell kind of goal is that? I'm not reading them. <laughs> Our bots are reading them. I yeah. know. I know. But still, it was a weird goal. So, Nobody wants to read one of these, not one. And you're no. only going to read a million of them. <laughs> no. So we'll do it for you and then hand that data over. We Right now it's free to the public, right? If you want to know what a privacy policy grades, you can do it. Our service right. is to the business. Uh, so how, so you talked about being in an incubator. So you're going to, you're going through an incubator as part of this. Yeah. So I've been accepted to the beta blocks program and we're going there in January for the, for a week, uh, through their incubator program. It's, um, are you going to be on their TV show too? Yes. It's it's on the show. So it's a competition incubator, which is kind of fun. That's probably the reason I decided to do it. Uh, Yeah. I'm a fan of bootstrap. I like bootstrapping companies. So, but for this particular project, I do plan on raising money. Um, so what's the name of the, the TV show again? I think it's just called the blocks. Okay. Yeah. So that, so for those who are listening that have not heard about this thing and I don't know much about it, it started in Kansas city though, my hometown from Wes Bergman and whoever else is involved in this thing. He was on, uh, MTV, uh, yeah. the real world and whatever. And this, all, all this, you know, TV and all is all his thing. He loves this stuff. He, he loves all the intention of all this. So he's a driver of all this, but they have beta, they've had beta blocks here, which is like its own incubator for like a lot of years now. It's like a, 10 years or something, a long time. So it's a cool incubator that they have. And then they did this t- big TV series out of it, which is cool. So um, you're going to be a TV star. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be a TV star. I think it definitely gets me like an E-class celebrity. Well, it's going to be a ton of fun. I think I'm going to learn a lot. And the process that I've never been through because I've bootstrapped or self-funded 
everything. I've been, I've worked at companies in this early startup phases that raised money. So I've, I've been through that and I've been the hosting provider for companies that have raised money, Yeah, but I've never done it myself. So okay, I've got mentors that, that I can lean on, but I thought with the opportunity to go through this incubator and be this competition and for the extra uh, publicity, it seemed like a, a great way to go. So what are you, I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. What do you hope to get out of this incubator? Uh, well, the, you know, I like to walk slow. Should, shouldn't you be teaching stuff at this incubator? Well, I've never raised funds. So I don't know, you know, I've not, I don't know how to go from a friends and family round to an A series, to an A round. I don't know how to do that. I've never done You just it. email all your rich buddies. Yeah, but I think that there's some um, negotiating power and some of those people there might be part of that A round. Okay. Right. Um, and, and different ways to structure it. And right now, I think my preview has been fairly narrow in tech startups. I've done, like most entrepreneurs, I've done a bakery. I've done a bounce house company, right? I've done all of those kinds of things in my 20s. Um, but this stage, I, it's a bigger business than I think long term than I really understand. Okay. Right. When, when you're talking about selling data, access to data at the API level, mm -hmm. it's a business I've never done. Right. And I, so you and see I, this as an API, like a data business. So you want to go partner with like other firms that do cybersecurity related software or SOC 2 audits, like all this kind of stuff. You want to partner with them? Yeah. For me right now, the SOC 2 is like my sweet spot. Right. So if you have a SOC 2, I can save your company hundreds of hours a year in labor. Right. Okay. Can simple. you? And I can give you a report. And if I'm not saving you the labor, I think your employees are probably lying to you when they say they've actually done a risk assessment on all your vendors. So I feel like I've been socked a few times in my life, but can you explain to everybody what SOC 2 means? <laughs> um, I don't know what SOC stands for, but basically it's an audit procedure that a third party comes in and audits all of your procedures. Um, and vendor compliance is what they call a trust policy inside of that SOC audit. So they audit, you know, um, all the rules that you say that you do your business. Do you have uh, video surveillance? Do you have access control systems? Do you lock your computer? Do you have backups? Do you, uh, how do you onboard vendors? How do you onboard customers so that you know that your business is consistent? It's primarily um, the reason we do a SOC is because our business has a financial impact on our customers, right? So we, we want to make sure that our business is run properly and a third party says that it's done. If you were publicly traded, you would have a Sorbanes-Oxley audit, but a SOC yeah. is private. So it, it stands for Service Organization Control Type 2. Right. So and the Type 2 is that you do it over a period of time. So... They come, but if, the stock is just, hey, they come in and they do it once. And yes, you're following the rules as of today. The SOC 2 type 2 would be they come in quarterly and, and make sure that you're doing it over a long period of time. But more like doing anything with SOC 2 just feels like getting socked. That's really what yeah, it feels it, like. It's a, it, I, it took me years of being with an auditor before I realized that if I worked with them instead of against them, my life would be a lot easier. But it always feels so intrusive when you're in an audit. But you still hate them either way. It, 
I mean, they're asking you really intimate questions about your business. And, and when you tell them what you do, they're like, well, prove it. Right. And that was yeah. part of the problem that I've always had is like, oh, do you have a vendor onboarding process? Yeah. I, they call me and I talk to them. And if I think the service is good, I onboard them. Uh, but did you do a risk assessment? Did you, do you understand what they're going to do with your data? All of those yeah. factors play in to what a real risk assessment would be. And my experience with that particular vertical is if they're doing it, it's costing a lot of money, but they're probably just saying that they're doing it. They're not doing a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nobody does this stuff the right way. Right. So we've automated that process away. That, that's the first product that we've come out with for PPGS. And okay. I think that there's a lot of other prod products later um, you know, right there and like, uh, an antivirus software could do an API call. And if you're on a website that has a privacy policy, they can very quickly show you the summary of that privacy policy. Okay. Right. And, and we've already done all the heavy lifting. I don't know who has the largest database of privacy policies in the world, but I think I'm up. <laughs> you're, it, you know, I didn't know anybody who had that goal in life. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> We sold large databases of data for lots of money. Um, yeah. You know, we sold, I was part of a group that owned the largest database of GI Joe components. Okay. And, and we sold it. My check was pretty nice. Right. Um, we, we used to own the domain name yojo.com and it was a community of people that went in and they sold and traded GI Joe parts. Like, you know, if you, you got the guy, but you don't have the gun. It's not as it's not as nice. So, oh my goodness, we wrote the database to track all that stuff. And Meanwhile, I throw away Legos every day. Yeah, and, but if you had that database, there's companies that would pay a lot of money for it. I know. I tell people all the times, like if if throwing away Legos bothers you, you just don't have enough kids yet. <laughs> I, I have, I I have kids. I'm them. over it. I'm throwing them away. <laughs> yeah, we we have the big Legos though. My kids started buying at the store. We go to the store every day. I've got a, a nonverbal autistic son. And we go to the grocery store every single night of our lives. And he, buys, okay. and he buys his dinner at the grocery store every night. But this week, he found these Lego gummies. Okay. And it's this box of gummies that are little Legos, and they work, and you can build shit with them. Nice. I need some of those. And then eat them. And then they're gone. So you don't have to throw I them out. I have these giant Legos that are uh, it's from a company called Everblock. They're 12 inches by six inches, like yeah. they're really big. And our old office at Stackify, we used them to build cubicle walls. And then after we went remote and COVID and sold the company, all this shit, I have like a thousand of those at my house. That's and my kids build the craziest stuff you've ever seen every week in the basement. So, but, um, so that, so, Having an API company or a data company, there's a lot more of those these days. There's a lot of companies that are like API companies. Um, so when you started this, did you think that you were starting an API company? No, I didn't. Um, when I started, it was generally just, hey, how do we take this really intrusive task and challenging task of reading and understanding a privacy policy uh, and then communicating that to somebody in a way that they understand if, cause we allow a 13 year old online and, and basically the, I think the laws are written that a 13 year old can sign a contract with the company and be legally bound to it and, and share their most intimate and give away their most intimate data. Yeah. I think that's wrong. And we don't, there's no way in the world right now to educate them in a way that they understand the risks of going into that agreement. So 
that was originally my thought process of one, how do I stop sounding like a crazy person when I talk about privacy and privacy rights, right? I have to, to make this more um, not suggestive, um, but more objective, right? How do I do that? And a rubric was the right answer. And then I just kept continue to build from there. And then how do I give this to the world? Well, I can either go ask people for money or I can create a product around this data that I've already collected. So I told you what SOC 2 stands for. You have to tell us what rubric stands for. I don't know what rubric stands for, but it's basically the grading system A through F. Okay. Like, so, you know, when you're in, in elementary school, you had the rubric of 100 to 92 is an A, um, nine, you know, and then your B and then your C. It's just the guidelines on how you grade, how you give it the letter grade A through F. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not a word. It's not a word I hear a lot. Okay. So we, we created that for instance, if the privacy policy um, is, if they're able to change their privacy policy without informing you any other way than just changing it on their website, that's automatically a letter grade reduction, right? Because I don't know how in the world a contract could hold up if the contract holder has the right to change the document without telling you. Yeah. So this just happened with like unity, the big development platform for mobile mobile games. Like they changed their terms of service. So they were going to start charging people and stuff. And they basically like just changed it and we're going to retroactively change it. And it's, it caused like all this huge outrage and, I don't even remember what happened, but it was sort of this thing where like they just decide to change the terms and screw everybody that <laughs> retroactively, like, and all sorts of shit ensued after yeah. that. So, and that's a real problem. I don't know how to solve it. I also don't know because we're checking every quarter, are there change? The part of the service is we check the privacy policy every quarter and notify the user, a PPGS user, if that if it's changed. changed or not, right? So, that's just part of that service. Um, but also we're just keeping that data. So I don't know later what lawsuits are going to arise that I'll just happen to have every quarter's privacy policy documented in our database. Yeah. I don't know you, what that value is going to be, right? When you I was, and the, maybe the Wayback machine. Maybe the Wayback machine. Maybe. Right? Maybe not. Well, I do want to take a minute and remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. We have the platform to help you find great developers and manage that team, actually. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So I'm going to guess you had to use ChatGPT for this. How did you How did you do this? So we use a software called, um, and, I, and I got it early, uh, WTFGPT. And any GTP, any GPT are the two um, engines that we use. Okay. For this, we are we are currently um, part of the raising the funds. We'll be creating our own uh, large language model wrapped okay. around privacy that includes all the laws of all the states. I don't even know right now. You know, do jurisdictions? Does are there any laws in the country in a municipality level? that have privacy rights for their citizens. And I don't know that right now. I don't know if it exists. I know that, you know, um, I, I've been around the internet for a long time. So I've, I've done business with people that I didn't know what their data was. 
before we did business together. So I've been involved in a lot of court cases in my life. And I know that a law in a small municipality with an aggressive district attorney can really play havoc on a company doing business outside of that municipality. Well, we have the same issues now, right? Where like I help build people websites for one of my businesses and it's like, oh, how do, how do we stay compliant with California and like these different states? And I'm sure as hell couldn't do it down to the city, county level. Like how in the world would I even know? And I don't know that right now, the, the other database that we're working on is at least the 50 states privacy policy laws that yeah. are currently in place, documenting where you can find those and read those. That's part of our education uh, onus to the, to the globe, right? We named it ppgs.global for a reason. We want to give the, we want to educate and, tra- and tr- make transparent privacy policies and privacy concerns for everybody, right? I think, you know, that there's a big buzz on security in the world today. And I think security really starts with understanding your privacy and and your privacy rights. Well, this is a good example of using large language models, which is like what ChatGPT is and Google Bard and all these things. If you guys can create your own large language model that is the expert at privacy policies and all the laws, like you, you you go find all those laws and you feed them into this large language model, right? And then you dump a million privacy policies into it. Um, you, you've got, you know, your own large language model for privacy policies, um, which I'm sure will blow away like what ChatGPT would do because it's not an expert at any one thing. It's like a general purpose, you know, thing. And right. so you guys get to be the, you know, expert large language model for privacy policies. And I think we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a lot of people that are building large language models for all these different niches. That'll end up being very valuable. They'll be like the expert in whatever these different trades are, which I think is is cool. And right now, and I'll tell you, in the, and I'm just this is free information that I think is could make people hundreds of millions of dollars throughout their life. When I applied for the trademark and the patent for PPGS to have a, an automated system using large language models and narrow AIs. You know, that whole process to create the the large language model and then keep it updated is patentable. Okay. And, and, there, and, it, and I got, I mean, we're patent pending right now, but, you know, even the trademark, we, used, we were able to create a new trademark category with uh, privacy policy audit support. Right? Okay. So right now, I mean, talk about, you know, blue ocean instead of red ocean. This is an industry and some technology stuff that if you really wrap your head around and understand how AI can work and how it can help you, and not AI is a solution to everything, but it's a tool box, it's a tool in your toolbox to create better, faster, easier companies. Um, you know, there's a lot of blue oceans in the world to be had today. So find your passion and use AI to build your business around it. It's interesting to think that you could patent basically every individual use case of a large language model. Well, I think it's going to happen. I mean, why, why would you watch a product like PPGS without the ability to patent the process to do it with AI at play? Well, I, I've built a lot of software for 20 years and never patented any of it. So I've never We've been a, a big... a couple of patents. Um, and and mo- the other patents are on u- user, user interfaces. Like specific, are you, specific did you get value out of those patents? Or are you glad you did them? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we sold the company for quite quite a bit. You think and, the patents were a big part of it? Um, it, it's a big checkbox. Okay. Right. Am I buying something that's that's unique? Am I buying something that is defendable? Yeah. Right. Defending your position is if I don't know how I'm going to defend my position in the business, I'm not going to take it to market. Yeah, but I mean, like you you own a hosting business and it's some somewhat of a commodity, right? Like the lot you have a lot of competitors. Like there's nothing wrong with that too. Not we we started this. You know, I I started in this company or a previous version of this company in '99. We started the hosting company in 2000. Yeah, and we bought the data center and. If you couldn't sell a website in 2000, you had big problems, right? So my my first big startup that I was involved in that did well, like got over a million revenue, um, was, you know, having the knowledge, having a good product or having a reasonably good product and being at the right place at the right time. That's a huge part of it right there is timing. That, that, and, and, and I've had some good hits from then, right? And that, and I'm saying me, but we had a huge team and I wasn't the only, I was one of, of a lot of people that, that put this together. Um, you know, we got super lucky in, in a couple of different cases. Um, and, and I think the luck has always, being at the, the product market fit at the right time has been hands down the carrier for our business over the past 20 something years. Timing is always a big part of success. Like my first company, we built CRM software for car dealers and we really specialize in like internet leads and that part of it. Um, and just at the right time that everything in automotive went to internet leads and then a recession happened and all the car dealers stopped doing traditional media and only did internet. Like we were just in the right place at the right time. Honestly, it was a big part of it. And that, I think that story happens a lot. Yeah. So in the meantime, you keep your processes in order. You keep a good, solid staff. You keep trying new things, right? And you're always trying to get that new best thing. Luckily for me, that first big hit was a hosting and facilities-based hosting, right? And the the logic there was, hey, we're going to have this colo business that can help us do any startup yeah. we want to do. And we have a good, stable foundation for these mid-market you know, clients that need a local data center provider. And, and that's how we did it. And it's been a very stable, there's been some rocky moments for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been a very, very stable business for us for a very long time. And you're right. It is absolutely a commodity right now. Which it is, is now, why yeah. We're supporting our existing clients. We have our sales processes in order. Um, but there's just not a high demand for it anymore. Uh, like there was, you know, for the first five years in that industry. Yeah. And that's the thing about business is it's ever changing. But so, it's the foundation for us to always hop off on new things for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of my, you know, story with full scale. Like, you know, we, we have 300 employees, we work and, and do a lot of things for other people. And I enjoy, you know, investing in other little things and helping support, you know, other people do other little things, probably like yourself. I don't know if I'm going to be a, a TV star and, and be on the blocks, but uh, that and that'll be my next goal in life, I think, <laughs> is being a TV star. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So. So the incubator that you're going to join, uh, Blocks, you says down in Tulsa, do you actually have to go down there or is it a remote thing? So evidently I'm going to live in, um, in a facility with 80 other startups and it's a competition. So every day is a new competition and we have, you know, we compete for, um, you know, 
winner of the blocks that day. And then is this like a survivor thing where you're doing like weird competitions? <laughs> it's, it's more like um, competitions like you would see on The Apprentice, right? It was like, uh, hey, you know, you're going to do this thing today. You're gonna okay. This, and then you're going to do your pitch to, you know, a Series A or tell me what your marketing strategies are going yeah. to be. You know, and then the, Donald the, Trump's going to fire you. Yeah, that doesn't happen though. <laughs> uh, and then Will is such a, such a sweet guy. You know, like there's no, there's like three winners, but there's no particular order, right? And, okay. Um, that kind of thing. And then there's, you know, other words like most investable, most scalable, those kinds of things. Um, but it, it, it seems like a great way to get exposure um, and get really, really comfortable doing your pitch, which is wildly important. Yeah. So do you have co-founders for this? I do have co-founders for this. Uh, quite a few. Um, I am still courting one co-founder um, who is... Uh, and he would be my AI expert right now. Okay. I, I just went through MIT's program for business for AI. Uh, I just, so I completed that about three weeks ago. So right now I'm the AI expert, but I've got um, a guy that for on the audit side um, who's currently an auditor. Got a, a really good friend of mine who works for the S and P 500. Um, he's he's a founder of that, and then um, River City Internet Group is a founder is is the is the primary investor at this point. Well, I, I've got an idea for you related to this is, um, you know, so one of the biggest problems we, we always had at Stackify is vendors would come to us and want us to fill out their security questionnaire. And it'd be like a hundred freaking questions. And I mean, it would take hours to fill out one of these damn things. Right. And you know what we need is something that uses AI that can like read all of those things. And then we put all the answers in like some other database and it figures how to like regurgitate our previous answers to those questions. Right. So in the automation process, we can you build that please? It's done. It's in there. Oh, wow. So, but then you would have to tell your client, Hey, why don't you go to PPGS and just buy vendor review management? Yeah. So our, for PPGS, this particular product for PPGS, our client is the MSP and the local accounting firm. That's who we deal with. We yeah. sell them packs of five, 10, 100 pieces of software, and then they give it as a value add to their clients. Okay. And then yeah. on the other side of that fence, the vendor fills out the form once with us. We store it on their PPGS ID number. And the next vendor, that, the next client that comes just has their default answers. Yeah. So it's not just I about privacy you. policies. You're talking about all sorts of security policy stuff. Long term, Yes. Yeah. I'm only holding the patents on the privacy policy pieces, but yeah. my software can be used for for other things, right? So, dude, that is really cool if it could do all the security policy stuff. So, so to give more example, people that are listening, like at Stackify, they would ask us, like, "Oh, what is your data retention? What is your disaster recovery plan? Like, all these kinds of things. What's your change control for? How do you deploy software to production? And like, it would be all this stuff." It'll literally be like 150 of them. You'd have to go through and each one might be a couple paragraphs. And, you know, some of the shit we did really good. Some of it we would just sort of make up like, oh, yeah, sure. This is what we're supposed to do. And you would just fill it in there, right? But everybody had their own 150 questions. And, yeah, it'd be awesome to feed all of that stuff into a language model that could take our answers but apply them to other people's questions, which might be slightly different, but probably fills out like 80% of the time they're the same and matches it all up. Because yeah. that was our issue. Like we would spend hours like, okay, I've answered this before. What was our answer to this one? Let me go find the last time I filled out one of these damn questionnaires and go find it. Like it was a total nightmare. Right. 
which was one of the biggest challenges that we have. And version one has that built in. Version two, it's going to be much nicer. So right now, when a vendor fills out the form, it becomes the default vendor form ID. The problem you is know. the customer can't give specific questions to that vendor. So as we create the vendor ID in our database, their questionnaire starts building. And then that's going to save a lot of time on both sides of the fence. I never thought I would say this in regards to security questionnaires, but this is really sexy and exciting. Yeah, it gets exciting. Like it's super boring on the, on the level. And when somebody gets it, they're like, oh shit, that saves a ton of time. Okay, as the guy who's had to deal with this before, that's like saving a nightmare about every couple of weeks. Yes. And yes. a big company, like you have people that this is what they do all day. Yes. And that, that's and a I, nightmare. That's what AI is going to solve, right? A lot of these uh, really painful, long tasks that are, you know, I, I can't wait for somebody to just give me a car that I can take to the doctor and say, get my data off this flash drive. And I'll have to fill out the damn form every time. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot like that when you go to the doctor or chiropractor or whatever, and they, they make you fill out all this paperwork. You're like, I've already filled this out before. Just take my previous answers, please. It's yeah. the same kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we're doing that as well, keeping those default answers and checking them quarterly. So the vendor ID, cost, you know, we're, we're providing the vendor ID for no charge to the company that, that we have, you know, because we're, we're processing their data for them to, to give it to the end user. Um, but long term, there will be services on that side as well. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate having you on the show today. And this is this has been a fun show. I do remind everybody, if you need to hire software developers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. You can check us out at FullScale.io. Um, so, Ken, as we wrap up the show, um, is there anything else you want to tell us about if people want to follow you, learn more about your business? You, you talked about your hosting business, your podcast, other things that people should know about. Yeah, if you want to know just more about me in general, uh, KenCox.com is my website. I've got you know all my anywhere that I've been on a podcast before I've got that on there and some other articles that I've been, that I've done and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if you have any, any hosting needs, um, and you like a, you know, local private provider, we're your, we're your guys. And that's hosterian.com. Yes. H O S T I R I A N. All right. Well, so as we wrap up, do you have any, any final suggestions, word of wisdom out there for other entrepreneurs? Words of, uh, so the thing that I'm practicing mostly right now is um, consistently really trying to always look at multiple perspectives of whatever problem that's at, in, in my face, right? Trying to change a perspective, you know, look at it from my perspective, my employees, my clients, yeah. really trying to just understand as many, as many perspectives to a problem as I possibly can um, has been a huge benefit for me recently in in almost everything that i do in life right and it and it tends to um it removes a lot of clutter from your life sometimes well i think one of the mistakes we make as entrepreneurs is we we try to solve our own problems and we don't validate them with everybody else enough and so i think that's kind of part of what you're speaking to right it's like you got to validate with everybody else too yes all right well everybody this was ken cox and thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me i appreciate it have a great day Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it like we do.
விட்டு ஒரு 